So me and Dan are coming at you live and direct. Uh, he's recording directly into his Zoom recorder here. I'm talking right into the top of the Zoom recorder. There's no microphone attached to it except for the mic that's on top of it. It's covered in um, foam. My lips are half an inch away from the uh, the, the capsule. And uh, it's going to sound great. It's going to be in stereo, too. I'm going to send you a stereo file. It's going to be Ooh, really Ooh, I'll add really some big. kind of like... A oscillating effect to the whole thing if you could put a slow auto pan on it that would be yeah, rad and maybe like, like reverb on Leslie. only the right side yeah yeah <laughs> ping pong delay stereo on the left, delay reverb on the right yeah hell yes let's let's go let's that would basically pot. just be like the one time palma sent me his file with a ton of reverb on it <laughs> we're, we're taking podcasting into the future people are tired Yo, palma, of just listening to someone's voice they want sauce on it like Palma being an audio guy who like listens to everything in flack and all that, he's made a lot of curious uh, audio decisions when I've podcasted of, with him, I've noticed. A lot of unforced errors coming from that guy in the audio department. Let's just uh, shit on Palma for an hour. No. He's he's a good boy. And he's been posting yeah. less gross stuff lately, which is nice. Yeah, too. I was going to say, if I tried to talk shit on him, that's the only thing I could point at. And he's... Uh, Maybe being le- he's only gotten himself banned like one time in the last you know year or two. That's pretty. Yeah, good. Yeah, it's crazy. And he's seems like he's almost entirely reformed his bad behavior. Yeah, like two times ago when he got banned, I screen capped him saying he would never get banned again, and I had to send it to him a bunch of times, like when he would post something <laughs> that's gonna get him banned. But I have I don't even know where that screen cap is anymore because I've just kind of you know I haven't yeah. needed it as much. Palma's moved on. The world has moved on. Yeah, um, we were just talking about before we started with the Zoom recorder. These things, like, apparently everyone remembers this but me, but just, like, Zoom guitar pedals that were, like, very, like, plasticky and gray and weird. And I was wondering if that's the same company as the mic maker. I'm going to find this out right now. Um, yeah, Zoom was making, like, multi-effects pedals. They're still making yeah. them. Oh, you're right. Yeah, these are all, like, somewhere in, like, the 100 to 250 range. It's very, the they all look so dated, too. It's the same fucking company. Oh, it's so weird. Zoom MS50G multi-stomp effects unit. Like, Yeah, it's the very everyone, same company. Everyone listening who plays guitar is going to be like, I knew about that. But to me, man, I never heard of this shit. I remember one of the first times I heard about Zoom was, uh, I think it was, band was it? I think it was Slayer. And people were talking about how like Slayer, they had cabs and amps on stage, but they weren't actually going through those cabs and amps they're in in-ears and all their guitars were going through zoom pedals <laughs> nice like to be fair i think that metal bands have always been more willing than a lot of types of rock bands to just embrace like solid state over tube amps and just like oh, yeah. di stuff and like they don't really give a shit you know in my it's kind in of my more new- forward thinking in a way totally um i know that um wire also was a big fan of not maybe not zoom but like line six pods i don't know if you remember the line six pod uh which one was that i can look it up now there's a bunch of different ones but it's it's again basically like uh it's an ampless you know it's it's an artificial i'm really uh really my brain is really not doing well today jesus really hungover (laughs) i got i got i drank the swamp juice in the bayou i'm down in louisiana i'm I, i had a bad boudin yeah, what were you drinking uh, last night? I was drinking the Drifter's wine. I was, <laughs> I was drinking the the, nec- the fucking nectar of the swamp. You're drinking a 
Nutria Rat Bile. I was drinking Nutria Rat Bile. <laughs> I was just huffing uh, uh, like the leftovers from uh, how when they process sugarcane and getting, getting crazy. I was having visions. I finally watched The Master, like Paul Thomas Anderson. Oh, yeah. Um, just because Branson and Andrew did like an E1 bonus thing about it. So now I just can't stop thinking about putting paint thinner into alcohol to really take it to the next level like he does in that movie. I love that movie so much. I just yeah, watched it. Dude. I just so rewatched good. it recently. It's incredible. And like all of the scenes of Joaquin Phoenix like concocting his special juice are just shot so lovingly and you can tell it's an art that he's he's created, you know? He's he's yeah, honed yeah. his craft. Like when he's when he hits the job at the fucking at the mall as the photographer. Yeah, with all the film supplies he's putting yeah, in there. He's cooking up cooking up something tasty with developing fluid. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, like I'm the world's worst movie person where I've never seen like most of the classics, but even I can be like, man, Paul Thomas Anderson, every fucking thing he does is just a home run. Yeah, absolutely. And Johnny Greenwood right there scoring every one of them for the last like 15 years, like can't lose. genius too you know can't lose i have never seen a bunch of famous movies but i've but they're more like like i've never seen titanic um which is yeah. something something that uh Devoyka gives me a hard time about sometimes uh i've never seen avatar another james cameron movie i mean i don't think you need to see that i know that like uh will and uh felix have like done a 180 where now they say it's like a good movie but Mm-hmm. I remember seeing that in theaters and being like, man, this kind of sucks. I think I'd see Avatar before I'd watch Titanic because I know what yeah. happens in Titanic. You I don't know? think either of it those def- are like the, top It sinks. Tier. The boat The boat sinks. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, it's like I know how it ends. I don't need to see it. That's like popular cinema, but it's not like artful cinema. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Paul Thomas Anderson is as close as you get to being like both genuinely popular and genuinely artful. It's true. Like, Johnny Greenwood doing the soundtrack is basically a perfect analogy where it's like the radio head of cinema. Of, it balances poppiness with artfulness in a way that's very rare, you know? Yeah, yeah. And actually, speaking of, maybe it's worth talking about a little bit. Uh, I read a like, New Yorker interview with Johnny Greenwood uh, like maybe a few weeks ago about his film scores, and it was super interesting. And he's like such a smart and self-aware person where they were asking him a lot about his process and also just how these things come together with directors approaching him. And he's very humble about the fact that like, look, nobody gets to do what I get to get away with. You know, he's like, right. Yeah. Uh, that first scene in there will be blood. That's almost entirely instrumental with no dialogue. That was just like a piece he had already written. And something like maybe like the London symphony orchestra or something had performed it. And Paul Thomas Anderson heard it and was like, can I just throw that into my movie? <laughs> and then from there, he's like, can you just finish the soundtrack while you're at it? And it was like a very like spontaneous thing. That's so where, cool. Yeah, it's just good luck. Two really good artists having the good fortune to find each other. And then he just gives him so much latitude where um, I think the best anecdote in that article is the interviewer is like, do you ever get asked to do like Batman versus Aquaman or whatever shit, you know? Yeah. And he's yeah. like, oh, it's actually worse than that. I get solicited to submit my name to be shortlisted to try to do the soundtrack for them. Oh my which is god. Such a That's... humiliating fucking thing of like And the soundtracks man. to those movies, like even even if there's like big artistic intent behind the film, like I found 
the one thing that really pissed me off about uh Denny Arcand's like uh or Denny Villeneuve's uh Dune was the the soundtrack is awful. It's like yeah. it's like fucking unlistenable right up to and including like whatever they composed as like the Fremen theme that is essentially the sort of it's like the into the wild soundtrack but in the desert you know it's just like <laughs> yarling like vaguely Man. middle the vaguely deserty middle eastern yarling it's so embarrassingly bad they could That's have done like, such a great job with that with that film and yeah yeah like a good soundtrack like it sounds stupid to say but a good soundtrack goes so far and um something he was getting into in that interview about how the typical process works, basically just saying how fortunate he feels to avoid the typical industry process. But he's like, for a lot of these big movies, they've already shot it. And a lot of the time they've already cut it and they're just sending you the cut and being like, put some music behind this and you have two weeks to do it. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, good luck. Whereas for him, it's like, they'll put scenes around his music, which is so fortunate for him. Like the one he described, which sounds like, I'm never going to watch Spencer cause I don't give a shit about princess Diana. Yeah. But um, it sounded fucking amazing all around where it's supposed to be a scene where she's like sort of going mad or losing it in some way. And he had this idea like he's going to start the piece with all classical players. And mm-hmm. then as they're recording the piece, he taps out one classical player at a time to be replaced by a jazz player. And then over like seven or eight minutes of this piece, the band has completely shifted one by one and no one who started playing the piece is still there. That's so it's rad. such a fucking cool idea, man. Like, yeah. It's really great. That rules. That's amazing. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, there is space to like have incredible soundtracks in film and and have the music and the and the and the, the movie work together. Like it's just I think it's really hard to pull off. I know, you know, when uh Panos Cosmatos was making Mandy, like uh my friend Randall uh, was was co-producing the the soundtrack and and like they worked so hard on getting like the sh- basically composing music for the film and then filming stuff around music that had been composed to set yeah. a mood. Like, I th- I th- I think that like symbiotic relationship is really cool. Like, I know Stalker. I think Stalker was a little like that. Like uh, Edward Art uh, Artemev used like that an ans synthesizer to just kind of bring out this like irradiated hellscape <laughs> like yeah it just takes the willpower to want to do it and then obviously like so many movies are made in a way where any creativity is snuffed out as part of the process because it's such a like homogenous cookie cutter process yeah totally um that's just never going to happen but with someone like panos or someone like paul thomas anderson when you actually give a shit about the holistic like approach to making it you're going to make it work you know a bad, a bad soundtrack can kill a movie. Like I was just thinking, it'd be amazing to go in and re-soundtrack movie like video drum with like a kazoo, slide whistle, and a big trombone. You know, yeah, that'd be super fun, dude. Just like video drum, but fucking uh, Dixieland jazz. You know. Oh man, I would love that. It'd be so fun if we could find like the the perfect way to do that. It'd be so fun. Even just yes. like a few scenes of something. Absolutely. Even just taking soundtracks from different films and like, like I'm going to take the soundtrack from Tommy Boy and put it over Crash. Or <laughs> I, I do also feel like the days of like the um, big needle drops are kind of are kind of over. Maybe Guardians of the Galaxy is an exception, but or maybe I don't watch oh, yeah, yeah. bad movies. But 
Yeah, me neither. I've seen clips like I've I think maybe like when I live with Joel and Branson, I saw parts of that movie where they use like a bunch of like ELO and shit like that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they even um they even sold like a mixtape. Was supposed to be the mixtape on the spaceship or whatever the fuck it is oh, they're funny. piloting around. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. I don't know how the execution was or whatever, but yeah. I mean that's they're putting in some effort or something. I don't know. Yeah. Fair enough. They should do things like that for Titanic. Like, this is the mixtape they were listening to on the Titanic. Yeah, and it's just like the same, like, shitty Victrola song about, like, uh, the, the, I don't know, like, the flowers of Kilkenny, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's recorded on a fucking wire spool. I was going to say the Maple Leaf Rag, but I think that kind of goes. I haven't listened to that in a while. but Man, yeah, the Maple Leaf Rag is un- unofficial theme song of uh, the Trucker Convoy. <laughs> is it really? No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No. No. I don't know what well, their official theme song is. I was going to say, I think we have one for them with that new John Acapinti fire that he just dropped the other day. Yeah, that's right. We should, we should, we should listen to that. Yeah, maybe let's uh, shift gears to some uh, trucker anthems. But yeah. I don't think we can do it ourselves. I think we're going to have to get out the AI here that always gives us a perfect score for every song. Good. Dust off that robot. Let's, let's put it to work. Yeah, we don't want um, passions to get the better of us amid the Canadian trucker convoy uh, caper. So yeah, we're going to have to I get mean, the AI out here. I'm Canadian. I have strong political views. I'm an emotional person and I'm hungover, which means I'm like super raw right now. And I don't trust myself to give these rousing trucker anthems uh, an accurate and impartial score. So we got we got to let the AI loose on it. Yeah, at the end of the day... Maybe it is good to not vaccinate people against a deadly disease that has caused a global <laughs> pandemic. We should, uh, you I think know we what? should be open-minded on this uh, portion. Yeah, the jury's out. So maybe we should ask the AI whether vaccination is good or bad. <laughs> or just get, get, get Let's get a score on vaccination. Let's find out. Okay. All right. Let's do this. Let's settle this once and for all. Wow, 9.2. Oh, okay. All I was right. worried good for down. a second there, but that's pretty good. I didn't want to be on the wrong side of history. Score. Yeah, I think so too. Like there is 0.8 reservations, right? Yeah, like, I think that's fair, you know? Especially depending on what disease it is and what kind of underlying condition you have. I think there's 0.8 amount of uh, hesitation depending on certain conditions, you know? Yeah. Would I get vaccinated against uh, the boogie-woogie flu? Probably not. Um, I need that Unless there's an outbreak locally, but I'm not going to get the boogie woogie flu vaccine every year. I'm not going to quarantine myself if I get rock and roll fever. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I think it's unfair that China won't let people who have symptoms of rock and roll fever in to watch the Olympics. Yeah, <laughs> I'm saying, I'm saying it. Especially because I think it would be good to spread that to everyone. Because if you're going to rock, it's better to do it in good company. That's right. And and we know, like we've we've learned that uh to get freedom you have to rock first. You have to, first you introduce rock, um, or or hip hop like the Serbian guy did to Cuba where he brought hip hop to Cuba and then, you know, uh communism just fell away. Um you gotta get the rock in there first and then you can start rolling with democracy. That's how it works. Yeah. You know, there's never been um a war between two countries who have rock and roll. <laughs> that's true that's true that's true germany and france were constantly fighting each other at the beginning of the 20th century because neither of them knew how to rock then they didn't speak the language yeah fucking america yep 
some with some uh, crazy ideas about uh, electric amplification. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Ukraine and Russia, both countries very good at synth pop, not so much at rock. You know. Yeah, and look where we are now. Got to bring that rock and roll, baby. Speaking of, I think this first song we're going to listen to could qualify as like country rock, maybe. If we're going all the way back here to the classic uh, Convoy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So C.W. McCall's classic uh, trucker anthem, Convoy, um, basically uh, sprang from the uh, early 1970s protests by independent truckers, not the Teamsters, but independent operator owners against uh basically gas scarcity after the the yom kippur war um and yeah they they kind of figured out that if they parked their big rigs in the middle of the interstate uh and used the newly developed citizens band radio cb technology kind of a kind of an early version of telegram yeah Uh, (laughs) they could organize and they and they could uh speak to each other under um code names so uh yeah, and then, and then C.W. McCall sort of documented this in the song Convoy. And I have to bring this up, too. Sam Peckinpah, I think his last movie was Convoy, starring Chris Christopherson, which is an entire movie made around this stupid fucking song. <laughs> like, Man, I hope that there ends up being like a Canadian Convoy anti-vaxxer movie that's like super low budget that comes oh, out. Oh, yes. That'd be amazing. Freedom Riders. All right, let's check this one out though. Here we go. Breaker one nine. This here's a rubber duck. I like this kind of militaristic like snare part that kicks it off. Yeah, that's how you know that the truckers mean business. He's talking, so he's talking trucker lingo. Um, you're gonna hear things like, uh, "Oh, there's a smoky bear in the in a brown bag. That means an unmarked police car." Man, truckers versus cops is like the kind of. It's kind of a refreshing showdown. On the sixth of June in a Kenworth. Oh, yeah, enough of that these home. days. Cab over Pete with a reefer on. This guy's never driven a truck in his life. Look at him. He looks like a, a guy who's gonna sell you software. I think every song we're gonna listen to today constitutes stolen trucker valor for sure. One hundred percent. I mean, technically, on the road again, uh, the Willie Nelson song sort of fits into this trucker frenzy, uh, trucker mania that. Uh, grip, <laughs> gripped America, North America in the seventies. Yeah, yeah, and, and I relate to on the road again because it's like it could be about trucking or it could also about being, you know, in a van. Yeah, and just That's being a good on point. tour. I think actually, I think we thought of this idea before on this show, but like in the same way that everyone likes to listen to songs about partying while they're partying, there needs to be more songs for musicians on the road. Like, well, we loaded up the gear and we're going down the road. (laughs) Yeah. Pulled into the Love's Truck Stop round about 6 p.m. Got myself some tricky. (laughs) Yeah. One thing about this song, I will say, is that for as like revolutionary as uh, C.W. McCall would like the lyrical content to be, the tone of the chorus is uh, very soft. Yeah, you know, like I guess in pitch it raises up, which is a good thing for a hook. But like in terms of the gravity of it, when he's doing that fucking Johnny Cash intro, that almost has more gravity. You know? 
Oh, absolutely. Like this stuff right here. Swindle sheets and left them sitting on the scales. Like you kind of trust. He's like a newscaster right now. You trust his authority. Yeah, yeah. He's he's speaking with the voice of lived experience. Or stolen valor of truckers type of experience. Yeah. Uh, good story is uh, Jimmy Carter. Uh, Famously, was like we need to bring in the National Guard and stop these people because they, uh, the independent truckers, with these convoys, especially with the second convoy in 1979, which was, uh, or the second kind of uprising, which was spurred on by the Iranian Revolution. Also, you know, like gas prices. Uh, Carter was just like, these people are like law. They're breaking the law. We need to bring in the National Guard. Um, I could see the bridge was lying and I think it only happened in Ohio that they brought out national guards. This here's a rubber duck. We just ain't going to pay no toll. So and the government the loves uh, bringing the national guard to Ohio, and then people writing yeah, songs about it. They sure, they sure do. Yeah, I guess like that wasn't that long after Kent State either. Yeah, so. that's exactly what I'm thinking. Like it's a couple. Like, uh, they kept doing it there. Yeah. But there were running battles between like these independent truckers and Teamsters. The Teamsters were union, and these guys were not. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, not that, <laughs> I mean, you absolutely don't gotta hand it to the Teamsters, but. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Although I think, uh, not to keep going back to actual like political discourse here, but I think uh, the Canadian truckers uh union was really smart in how they handled it. i don't know if you you probably saw it more than me like that tweet where they're just like oh yeah pointing out that you know 90 percent of truckers are vaccinated in canada this yes, is because, like a fringe they, group of people fucking need to be back i mean they're a fringe group of they're not there are not a lot of truckers in this like trucker yeah. occupation of ottawa but unvaccinated people are a fringe group in canada <laughs> like yeah absolutely like canada has a pretty fucking high vaccination rate so I don't, I don't know and and yeah the, these people are not representative of uh you know a lot of truckers I, I was reading this thing about there's a lot of south asian truckers in um in canada who live you know a lot of them live on the west coast and a lot of them live on in multi-generational family households right so they've got like the mom and dad living with them you know there's elderly people yeah. in the house and their biggest concerns uh were in this interview interviewed a bunch of them and their biggest concerns were wage theft from like small business tyrants who run independent yeah. trucking companies Absolutely. And, al and also uh getting fucking covid and giving it to their families you know like yeah like that's what actual truckers give a shit about yeah it is funny how willing canadian media has been to just buy in, or like u.s media too. like but again everyone just reinforces the same shit again and again i guess you can always predict yeah. who's gonna buy into something unfortunately but i I love to work at like a, a you know like a uh contrarian leftist outlet and and see the trucker convoy and see all these big hammer and sickle uh spray painted with an x through them on the side of the rigs and uh watch the interviews with uh, the the the, occup the occupiers of Ottawa, where they talk where they talk very explicitly about Q coded shit, and then sit down at my computer and write something about it being a grassroots uh, working class uprising. 
Yeah. It's, it's so the fucking inverse rad. inverse of if you were like a Canadian leftist just being like, oh, the January 6th uh, thing here is kind of cool. You know, it's just ordinary people like trying yeah. to do something, you know? Or like, or like the, the, the other take from that group of people is basically like, well, you know, like if they send in the, if they send in the police to break up this peaceful protest of grassroots workers, that's setting a bad precedent for, um, you know, policing, uh, protest on the, uh, of left-wing ideas Yeah. to which I would say, they already do that? <laughs> I was at a very, you know, like a very, it wasn't small, but it wasn't like the size of this convoy protest, uh, protest at the, uh, Israeli embassy last year in Montreal and I got fucking pepper sprayed. So yeah, like, exactly. They're already doing it. Yeah. Like, what are they going to start doing that? They're not already doing to exactly. protests? Like, come on. Exactly. And also, uh, like none of these Americans commenting on it, either they they're willfully ignoring this, or they or they don't know. But like when the Wet'suwet'en land defenders, uh, you know, were standing in the way of Coastal GasLink building this pipeline, the Canadian government's response was to send a detachment of RCMP by cargo plane into the Inta, and these guys were kitted out with fucking counterinsurgency gear. <laughs> So Man. like, so like, I'm not really worried about what the Canadian, what what precedent it's gonna set in Canada for RCMP like policing left wing protests because they already just bring the hammer down every fucking time. Yeah, exactly. Like, whew, I got excited there for a second. I th- I'm gonna. I have some <laughs> I'm drinking. Oh, I'm drinking some Gatorade. It's taking away the swamp juice hangover. What Ooh. flavor you got there? I have my favorite flavor that I can't get in Canada: limon pepino. That's lime cucumber. Ooh, you should uh, pencil it into there on in uh, French to make you feel at home. I should get on the convoy Telegram chat and add some demands. We yeah. want, we want to get rid of the vaccine mandate. Um, we don't <laughs> want to wear masks, and we need the Limon Papino Gatorade. Yeah, <laughs> I think um, in terms of uh, takes from the world of uh, contemporary folk music about this convoy thing. We got to go to our man. Brother John. Yeah. No one's closer to the action right now than brother John down there in Georgia. He's dropped, I think two songs about this, but this is the more recent one called the American convoy. Brother John dusted off his CB radio. He's got two of them. He's got a walkie talkie up to each ear. He's plugged in. Yeah. And he knows all the lingo. In this sense, it's almost like he was just listening to Convoy right before he recorded this. Because mm-hmm. he kind of just repeats half the lingo from that song in this one. It's a, it's a big 10-4. I mean, Akapinti really is the go-to guy for like conservative political jams. Because he's the last like psycho conservative who's not that psycho. Where like... There's never any substance to it. It's just like, these truckers say 10-4. Yeah, it's really uh, reporting from the ground. He's he's singing what he's seeing. Yeah, he's basically a journalist through his poetry. These truckers want freedom all to What do you think the odds are on uh, Brother John being vaccinated? I'd say pretty high. Yeah, I think so too. Like, I mean... He obviously like had his health health scare and stuff not long ago where he's like obviously in and out of the hospital. And I just imagine that he would do it, especially because yeah. like Donald Trump is vaccinated and boosted and stuff. Like he's not like a rabid frothing 
Q-pilled person, so I feel no. like he's probably vaccinated. Yeah, I, and I'm, I'm actually kind of worried. Like, I, f- I feel like one of the knock-on effects of, of this, of this sort of mainstreaming of this, like, uh, or the not mainstreaming. I guess the the way the protest is being covered, where no one is talking about the Q, the sort of Q angle to it, which is pretty big. Uh, I worry that Brother John's going to see this on his favorite television show, and and that'll be his gateway into into some of this uh, Q shit, and then we're going to get uh, a decline in quality, basically. That's like just flirted selfish. with um, the kind of ideas that they like so often, though, and he never gets pulled into it. Yeah, like, his mind his mind is why. too strong. I think. Yeah, I think so. Or he doesn't totally know how the computer works and he's getting most of his shit from TV. So I think that's absolutely true. And to our benefit, he only has a passing grasp on Dawes, so we get these beautiful songs from him, you know? Yeah. I don't want him to actually like start watching YouTube tutorials and improve the quality. No, that would just ruin it. It's like when Guided by Voices stopped doing stuff on 4 and 8-track, you know? Under Bushes, Under Stars, pretty great record, but... The stuff that came after it just doesn't hit the same. Yeah, you gotta understand what's working for you and why. And Brother John, he's right in that sweet spot. That's right. I don't know what that term is. Drinking rotar? What? I think he's trying. I think he's singing drinking road tar, which is maybe oh, road co- tar. trucker slang for coffee, maybe? Okay, that sounds right. I mean, the what other it? line in that 10-4 is the jargon that these truckers use. That's a fucking genius line. But. Oh, hell yeah. The, did I just see an LGBT uh, flag thing up there for a second? I thought, oh, I don't know. I wasn't. I wouldn't be surprised because he always misses this shit. <laughs> I think he missed something with his... <laughs> <laughs> oh, I see which one. I'm scrolling. I'm like uh, mousing yeah. over yeah, yeah. the thing. I see what you mean. The one that says respect one another and it's in rainbow yeah, colors. There it is again. Yeah. 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 I mean. Oh, you're right. Because yeah, it's got the male and female uh, symbols in it. Yeah. Yes. Totally. Yeah. He's got the logo from something called Care, which I think is like a, a product or a company. Care. All rights reserved. I mean, genuinely, that song is a much more pleasant listen than Convoy, but it's also because I'm completely numb to his insane vocal effects at this point. <laughs> where yeah, like, I'm just listening I, to like the the pleasant backing track, like, oh, this is nice. I like them. I like his vocals. I like. I think they sound good. It's just like anything, like it's like Sonic Youth or Animal Collective or something, where the first time you listen to Brother John, it seems abrasive, but once mm-hmm. you've listened to as much as we have. It just feels like home, you know? Yeah, exactly. You start finding the the beauty in it, you know? He put another song out recently, right? Like, he did this and then another one kind of back-to-back. Well, he's done, like, nine in the last two weeks, I think it was. Like, he's just fucking grinding right now. He's on fire. I hope when I'm 82, I'm putting out as many songs about Goya beans and shit. Like, he has a new song about Goya. What? Uh, Long after conservatives stopped caring about it. Amazing. Brother John is keeping the flame alive. He's uh, the real deal. Like when every like Trump opportunist hopped on the Goya guy for like two days to make some kind of stupid political point about how like not everyone's white who likes Trump. mm -hmm. He's the only guy who two years later is still on that train. You know, it's 
It's amazing that that that, that the cultural memory uh, of the right wing has to be held by an eighty-year-old man. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you know, like that is true. Like, like to he's his credit, the he actually steward of their grievances. He's the librarian of grievances. Like he's simply like so zen that like uh, the average person who's watching OANN and all this shit is just like going from grievance to grievance, from angry thing to just like thing of the day that makes them so mad they forget everything they were mad about five seconds ago. But he not just brother remembers, He only remembers the good side, like. I think that genuinely when the Goya thing was like a meme for like two days, mm-hmm. most people were like, see, fuck you, libs, fuck you. And in his mind, he's like, oh, Goya's nice. Goya, yeah. I like the They make a banana juice that comes in a can, and I love their beans. I've had their beans. Like he, missed, he missed the idea that, that the whole thing to laud the Goya CEO was supposed to just be shitting on liberals, really, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he just yeah, missed it was like that. a gotcha. Because he's pure, his mind is pure, and he's doing this movement a huge favor by documenting all of this stuff in song. It's it's beautiful. Yeah. Very selfless. I think um, in our ongoing trucker journey down the road here, yeah, we're going to have to go back in time honk, honk. to the 60s. <laughs> this is someone, I don't think, I don't know if we've ever talked about him on Fortune Kit, surprisingly, because it was a big E1 thing. Like, I don't know, honestly, like three years ago, which is crazy. Like, hey, time flies. Yeah, I think but, when I, um, like maybe a year after I started listening to you guys, I I, I remember I, I remember hearing about this on E1. Yeah, like I know, I remember doing, uh, well, now I can't remember, one of the, like the early E1 live shows, I think someone either, maybe, like maybe like Branson was Dave Dudley, I think. Like we really <laughs> leaned into him for a while, but I mean... This guy's so good. He's quite the all guy. All his songs are either about trucking or about Christmas. And then he's got his album, Trucker's Christmas, that really just like <laughs> was the logical conclusion of everything his career was building toward, you know? I, I mean, I love someone who is so singularly focused in their work. Like, we talk about him a lot, but uh, Bobby Boris Pickett as well, you know? Very focused. Yeah, absolutely. Actually... Shout out to the listener who sent me that song. Well, now I didn't intend to talk about this, so I don't have it pulled up. But it oh. was a different 60s song. Do you remember this, Dan? It's A Monster's Holiday, and it's by Buck Owens, baby. Buck Owens famously featured uh, in um, Creedence Clearwater Revival song, uh, Looking Out My Back Door. Oh, really? Yeah, there's a line, listening to Buck Owens. Oh, man. I think I just always zoned that out because I didn't know who he was. <laughs> Creedence Clearwater Revival was listening to to Monsters Holiday. That was like the biggest (laughs) influence on them. Yeah, Uh, they wrote doors about Monsters Holiday. Fortunate Son is about Dracula's son. Few people know this. I would feel very fortunate if I was Dracula's son. Yeah, you could live forever. It's rad. And also, I think that if we sent a bunch of Draculas, we probably would have won the Vietnam War. Yeah, I mean, unless uh, unless the godless communist invented Frankenstein's technology, then yeah, probably. Yeah, that would be a whole different scenario. But I just have to assume that Draculas have like night vision and all kinds of cool stuff. Like, does Dracula have like sonar or anything since he's like a bat? <laughs> maybe. I was just thinking maybe the Monster Mash. I've always wondered, you know, what the deal is with it. And now I'm thinking maybe it was a Sidney Gottlieb like MK Ultra style style thing that was trying to normalize monsters because they were actually building monsters to fight communists um 
and and the, and the song was just to soften up the public. Um, yeah, get ready the, for it. For the coming Wolfman army, you know? Yeah, we've been so inundated with lyrics about Wolfmen and Frankensteins that by the time they show up, we're like, all right. Yeah, I know what this is. It's a Wolfman. They have parties. They're great. Let's send them to, send them to Southeast Asia. Yeah, I'm waiting to see. I'm not so excited by this. I want to see a Kraken at this point. I've heard enough about these <laughs> Wolfmen. Well, you know, that's that's uh, monster assured destruction. By the time you get to crack uh, the Kraken, it's game over. You can't, you know, then everybody has to have a fucking Kraken. Yep. You know, negotiations with Russia to try to draw down Kraken stockpile by 2040 <laughs> by like 10%. You know? Yeah. It's a yeah, kaiju reduction. Uh, I think what we're getting at here is almost exactly just like Watchmen with Dr. Manhattan of just like having oh that God. kind of like... <laughs> yeah human weapon as like a government thing it is it is we cannot allow iran to develop kaiju technology yeah <laughs> if they get their hands on like china somehow steals it from japan and then shares it with iran yeah game over should we listen um, to monsters holiday <laughs> yeah here we go buck owens monsters holiday all right let's let's fucking go oh, a little scary Frankenstein was the first in line And the Wolfman came up next Dracula was a-doing his stuff Dracula was a-doing his stuff I wonder when this one dropped relative to Monster Man Better get out of his way It was a monster's holiday It's absolutely slaves Is that Dr. Jekyll uh, on the uh, cover here? I'm seeing a Frankenstein, a Dracula. I'm seeing a Wolfman. And I'm seeing what I think is a Dr. Jekyll. Yeah, that seems right. It kind of looks like a hobbit or something. I don't know. It looks a lot like a hobbit. So this song is a full 12 years after Monster Man. Damn. Okay. Imagine sitting on this thing for 12 years. I'm assuming he wrote it right after he heard Monster Man. <laughs> but here's the thing. When Bobby Boris Pickett heard this, uh, it was like when Brian Wilson heard Strawberry Fields Forever. That's right. And he was like, oh, well, they did everything I tried to do. You know, better than me. Also, the, the main, like, I, truthfully, though, at the end of the day, the Monster Mash still goes harder than this. But the thing I really appreciate about this song is that... They include dragons mm-hmm. at one point. There's that's a diversity. Such a cool yeah, that's di- so unexpected to throw dragons in with there with your zombies, with your fucking wolfman, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's it's like, uh, it is kind of science fiction horror crossing over into fantasy, which is which is great, you know? should do a sequel to this one where he talks about like D monsters you know like the be like a like a beholder or um or a hippogriff or all the different kinds of oozes that live in the dungeon or maybe throw in a few final fantasy ones like behemoths or marlboros you know yeah yeah chocobo's holiday yeah oh man i would listen to that imagine listen to that too what a what a great song what is that? The, yeah, what is that the, one goes. The it's a little bit of a, a detour here, but I think it was a necessary detour. 
I would like to hear Dave Dudley cover that song though. Cause yes. I think this this Dave Dudley classic that we're gonna play next, he's like it's called uh Two Six Packs Away, which is the main one that we were obsessed with on mm-hmm. um E one. But it's so funny because he's measuring the distance he's driving the truck in in beers. Like he knows how long it takes him to finish a beer and he can put that to a number of miles, I guess. Amazing. Um and it just you could tell when he actually sang this in the studio, he clearly has to be very drunk because he's slurring every fucking line. <laughs> and I would love to hear him do his take on Monster's Holiday like that, you know? But I'm just going to assume Dave Dudley is dead by now and say R.I.P. Someone <laughs> who was this drunk in the studio at their peak is unlikely to be alive now. Yeah, let's check out uh, Two Six Packs of Wool. I got on my wheels and I went out on the town dragon. I hit a big old tree look like I wrecked the Holy shit, I just realized something. The, t- the tone of this, like the tone, the thin, shrill tone of the guitars, yeah, the kind of weird mix, the vocal being up front and super weird. This is a, this had to be a huge influence on Marky e. Smith. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he he does have a trucking song called Container Drivers. Oh, that's awesome. I didn't know that. I think I think young Mark listened to these American trucking songs and it just got filtered through his weird uh, his weird cosmic horror brain and uh, came out as like Container yeah. Drivers or Jawbone and the like Air Rifle kind of sounds like, like this. It's only like one or two jumps away from like Johnny Cash type of shit. Like yeah. these like female backing singers and like the kind of thin thin electrics. Like I guess it's like a an easier jump from like acoustic to thin kind of sounding electric than like bigger electric like, sounds. Yeah, big fuzzed out guitars or whatever. Yeah. Now Sunday rolls around, that's my cigarette. That's my cigarette day. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, yeah, he's he's shit hammered. When I get out of this place and gonna say I ain't never saw one. Yeah. Going down to Joe's and have that big bartender draw on. <laughs> what? <laughs> Completely unintelligible. <laughs> big, the only big, word I heard was bartender. I th- had to have that big bartender draw one. I think he means like a pint. Here. And my baby is awaiting does two six packs away. It's also, it says a lot about you as the listener, how far away you assume two six packs is. Yeah. Is, I'm, like, I'm assuming it's like, I don't know. In my mind, he's really close to home, but he's going to get yeah. so drunk that it's going to take yeah. him a very long time to get there. I think that's <laughs> probably like the intended meaning, but I'm just imagining the most like, chaste interpretation of it well like well he's certainly not going to start drinking before five (laughs) and he's probably only going to have a couple so it might be three days to finish those 12 beers yeah yeah dave dudley doesn't have more than two light beers a a night on the road so he's essentially he's probably in like tucson arizona headed towards uh i don't know shreveport so it's going to take him a while (laughs) if i could make a music video for that song it would be like the first, like almost the whole video is close shots of him driving the truck and everything. And then at the very last, like 15 seconds, we zo- zoom out and the whole time his truck has just been pushed up against a wall and he's like hitting the gas, but he's just already <laughs> hitting a building. 
<laughs> and he's not knocking it over, but he's so drunk he doesn't realize he's not going anywhere. He's two six packs away. We are all forever two six packs away from our destination. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is sort of a philosophical song about uh it's like a waiting for Godot kind of thing where the yeah. moment never arrives, you know. Yeah. It's, it's never gonna happen for poor Dave Dudley. And he knows it. He's two six packs away, but he's only got one six pack in the passenger seat, you know? That's right. <laughs> The Dudley Paradox. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's Zeno's arrow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, For he keeps getting uh, closer and closer, but he'll never arrive. Yeah, exactly. Man, what Zeno's a great... Budweiser. Zeno's Budweiser. <laughs> Zeno's Bud Light Lime. Yeah. <laughs> Bud Chilada. I think so. Now that we've kind of uh, experienced all of this music... We need to make some sense of it by getting scores on all of it. Yeah, let's uh, quantify this art. Let's see. So um, C.W. McCall, that one, I'm going to give it like... Well, it's here's the thing. It's influential on the trucker mm-hmm. genre, but I wasn't really feeling a lot of it. And it's kind of derivative where he's doing a Johnny Cash thing. I'm going to give it like a seven. I'm going to give it a six for the same reasons because I'm trying to divorce it from its uh you know historical context and just appreciate it on the music alone and i think on the music alone it is it is sort of a failure especially those choruses really uh really brought the number my number down at least now i'm starting to believe i'm gonna go to a six also i was thinking i was being too generous let's see uh what the ai says though 3.9 i'm gonna say that it's uh it's coming in a little more harsh but it's probably right so yeah, yeah, I think we we're being a little soft on uh, C.W. McCall. So good job, AI. Yeah, three point nine. All right, moving on. Acapinti. It's not his best work, but it's better than C.W. McCall. Yeah. Now, okay, I'm gonna give that a seven point five, and I'll stand firm in that. I'm gonna give it an eight, just because I, yeah, I don't know. I'm doing the opposite with this one. I'm, 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 I'm letting a little bit of my love for John uh, affect my cloud my my decision here so eight yeah the the discography is so robust and so consistent that and also he put out a new song the day like the day after and a couple days before this one so you know he's just like he's cranking them out you know this is i mean to be honest this is a seven but i'm going to give him an extra point for working so hard and being on that acapiti grind set all right let's see what this one actually deserves objectively 1.2. 1.2. Oh my okay. god. Okay. Are you are you sure that thing is working right? I think well this is my thought is that earlier when we got over a nine like what was it 9.2 for vaccination? Uh-huh. I think that the AI being all knowing, it realizes that this song is um kind of subtly anti even though Acapinti himself is not saying it in the lyrics, it subtly ties into an anti-vaccine movement. So uh. Uh, I think that that's why it's punishing him. Okay, it sees the deeper the, the deeper meaning that maybe John himself doesn't understand. You know? Yeah, it's not you know it's not up to the artist to explain the deeper truths of their art. You know, if you make a sculpture, it's not it's not up to you to tell people what it means. They have they have to derive meaning from it. Yeah, I for, think for themselves, it's um. It's the artist's job to just have three chords and a surface level understanding of what's going on. That's right. <laughs> like when the Ramones thought, uh, wrote Pet Cemetery, they thought Pet Cemetery was a real place. It was the thing. Yeah. <laughs> like the Rainbow Bridge. They should yeah. have written a song about the Rainbow Bridge. It's true. 
Huh. All right, so I hate what's to up see next? it. I think um, we probably need to take a detour here too to do the Monsters Holiday. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. think um, that song is derivative of the Monster Mesh, and it doesn't quite go as hard. But the fact that it mentions dragons is insane to me. <laughs> so I'm thinking also 7.5 right here. I'm gonna give this a nine because I love anything about monsters. Like any, any, this is my favorite genre of music. That's and, true. And also the diversity um, pump bumps it up a bit. So I think this is nine. Monster Mash, obviously ten out of ten. Yeah, uh, undeniable classics. So. I do think you're right that anything that puts the conversation around monsters into the mainstream is doing some kind of good. But let's see. What unless. The AI- Unless our theory about uh, America developing a monster army to fight communism is actually true, in which case it's a psyop and it's bad. Yeah, but, that would retroactively retroactively render all monster-themed songs as like pro-imperialist. I can't even think about that right now, man. Yeah, let's just see what we got here. Monsters Holiday 7.2. I was pretty right. close. Damn. I yeah, think that's okay. another like completely fair judgment here. Absolutely accurate, yeah. Totally. Good stuff. Way to go, machine. <laughs> and then that just leaves us, lastly, we got to see Dave Dudley. I think, I mean, that one to me is maybe my favorite of the lot, where I think that's Dave Dudley's best song, because it's just so purely what all his songs are about, of like, I'm drunk, you can barely understand half the lyrics, and mm-hmm. I'm living that life, and I'm singing about that life. Even though I'm stealing um, truck driver valor, I'm yeah, not stealing yeah. alcoholic valor because you can tell I'm drunk in the studio. No, that's lived experience. You're hearing it on on. I record. think it's a solid nine. Yeah. All right. I'm I'm with you. I'll also give it a nine. Solidarity. All right. Let's see what we got. Eight point oh. That's not Ooh, too bad. Not bad. As a string of um judgments from the ai this is probably the most we've ever agreed with it about like a bunch of things interesting like, we just take an eight we had to prompt it with the vaccine question yeah that one kind of set it up to be in the right zone here yeah well i mean i feel good i feel good about our decisions and i feel good about um you know my uh ability to discern whether music is is good or not good I, this makes me really want to um convince pitchfork to do one of their retroactive <laughs> reviews of dave dudley wait a minute uh, we need to take a short detour right before we end pitchfork uh about a week ago put out uh an article 38 of our most you know like whatever controversial or groundbreaking or influential reviews and wouldn't you believe it they left one off uh-oh they left the coltrane review out of this oh cool (laughs) so i i reminded them about it but i didn't hear back so ooh, i'm sure it was just a mistake that you didn't hear back yeah i'm sure i'm sure it was just a mistake. that is kind of amazing honestly though because they both for better and for worse they've tried to lean into the thing of like being like we know we're super white and whatever and like try to cover a more broad range of artists identity wise although i think they haven't really done that well because what they do is just cover like Drake and Beyonce rather than like discovering interesting yeah. artists of color who are like actually on their way up. But um, yes. 
Yeah, like you're saying, like they're not willing to actually atone for the insane things they did. They're still no. willing to sweep that under the rug. Yeah. Especially not that insane thing. Yeah. Which is really funny to me because it is super insane. And I, I've posted this several times, but every time I post it, someone DM like someone I know will DM me and be like, Did you make that up? Like, is that Photoshop? They should just be like, No, that's that's an actual yeah, review so- that came out in two thousand and four. But what's so funny is like, um, is it which, is it Mark Richardson or which owner, which previous owner wrote that one? It's Schreiber. It's fucking Schreiber. Schreiber. Yeah, sorry, it's fucking yeah. Schreiber, Schreiber. before Mark Richardson. That's yeah, why we yeah. need Alex here because he would know that even quicker. But, yeah, yeah. Shit, yeah, like, He hasn't been involved in so long that it would be so easy to say we denounce the stuff that he did. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, it's yeah. not hard. It would be like Vice magazine um, covering Gavin McGinnis' involvement with Proud Boys, which maybe they have. I don't know. But I, maybe also they're too busy putting on music festivals uh, on behalf of uh, Saudi princes in the desert, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, Yeah, there's another episode right there. But Yeah, next time. Um, yeah, man, that's so funny to to leave that off the list. Yeah, just amazing. Like, if you're going to put the monkey peeing in its mouth, you got to put shit cat on there. Sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, also, maybe all the positive press you gave R. Kelly, too. Yeah. That's the, like um, Jim DeRogatis from Chicago, who has made it his project for like 20 years to put R. Kelly behind bars, mm-hmm. is like the one guy where no one can claim they didn't know because he's oh, been yeah. covering this for so fucking long. Oh, Jim has been talking about this for, yeah, like, forever <laughs> yeah and he, like i loved the um i don't remember if we ever talked because this was probably like two three years ago now so i don't remember if we talked about it on this show but in the time when r kelly was kind of like melting down before he actually was like brought up on charges he released that song that was like 17 minutes long the trap he the, was just so the trapped in the closet series that he was no way way after that even after of that like, oh okay probably like 2018 2019 where it's just super super long song where he's just rambling over a beat and he's just calling out uh, Jim DeRogatis by name, just being oh like, God. you know, you lie about me, like you're full of shit, whatever. Like it's just like this horrible ramble. I don't even even Kanye wouldn't stoop to that level of uh, <laughs> extemporaneous yeah. bullshitting. And yeah, then just Kanye, put that Kanye's, out on the internet. Kanye's scene is more like just whipping up controversy with Billie Eilish. You know, it's yeah, not it's yeah. not laser targeted on this person that most you know, honestly, R. Kelly's fan base probably doesn't know who Jim D. Regattis is, but yeah, you know, that's how you could tell you know so who personal. does is the fucking pitchfork staff. They know who Jim D. Regattis is. For sure, exactly. But that's like that you're right though, that like that made that thing so genuine from R. Kelly's point of view where my fans don't want to hear this. I just want to put this out, you know? <laughs> yeah, this is this is this is personal, literally. Yeah, I guess um, I'm glad that at the end of the day, Dave Dudley got the highest score for his Trucker song, because I think that is the most immortal song we listen to today. Absolutely. And he is teaching you a valuable lesson about uh, the philosophy of space and time and traveling between two points. Yeah. So what I guess my ending message to all these Canadian Q-pilled type of anti-vaxxer right-wing protesters, I think... The trucker lifestyle you're hiding behind, you should follow the Dave Dudley lifestyle and hide behind the alcoholism thing instead of just grab two six packs, go home. Yeah, take out. her ease, you know? Just take her ease. Grab whatever you want. Get if the if you like lucky logger, you know, do that. 
Um, if you if you're from Quebec and you prefer a a smooth boreal blanche, you can do that as well. Actually, that's probably the way to kind of calm down anti-vax sentiment is be like through right wing channels. You need to spread the idea that like hops and and barley uh, <laughs> are more effective at treating COVID than anything. <laughs> totally. Malt, hops, and barley are the new ivermectin, and it's amazing because you you can buy it prepackaged. It's called beer. That's right. And you can find it at your local pharmacist. <laughs> make sure make sure that you go visit a doctor and get a prescription for beer. <laughs> I'm going to crawl back into the fucking swamp. I feel like shit. I need a beer. I feel like the swamp itself is going to give you some kind of ailment, but Yeah. Swamp foot. Going to get yeah. swamp foot. I <laughs> know uh, my actually, you know, honestly my theory is that I didn't get super drunk last night. Um it's that um, Cubans in New Orleans uh, think that I, I, I have uncovered their uh, decades-old plot to assassinate John F. Kennedy, and they're hitting me with a sort of right-wing Havana Syndrome ray. Yep, that, sound, that checks out to me. So That's what I'm blaming. I think you should get in touch with the CIA about that, that and uh, <laughs> until next time, you know? Yeah, yeah, I'm working on it. Judge waiting for me to pay. I had a sweet little honey just two six packs away.